Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities with Lori Peterson and Abby Weinstein. Lori and Abby spend their days talking about dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. They talk to parents of struggling students and adults who have had a lifetime of academic challenges. They want to share those stories along with their own insights with you. So, let's talk learning disabilities. This is Lori. And this is Abby. Welcome to episode number 65 of Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. Thanks for being here today. Today, we are very lucky to be joined by three campus leaders from Landmark College in Vermont. So not in Texas, way outside of our our, uh, area here. Um, and, And if you listen to our episode from the LDA conference, you heard a little bit of a snippet with Mark, um, who is from Landmark College and with us again today, where we talked just a little bit about kind of what they do and what makes them special. So today we're going to dig a little bit deeper in and, and really get some good information about Landmark. So gentlemen, welcome. Thanks, Lori. Do you guys mind just introducing, go one at a time? Mark, we'll start with you. Just introduce yourself and tell us what you do at Landmark. Sure. Uh, my name is Mark DiPietro. I'm the Vice President for Marketing and Communications at Landmark. Okay. Adam? Uh, hi. Uh, my name is Adam Laylor. I'm the Vice President for Neurodiversity Research and Innovation and Co-Director of the Center for Neurodiversity at Landmark College. Okay. That's very cool. Very cool. And Mike? Hi, Lori. Hi, Abby. My name is Mike Stefanowitz. I'm the Vice President for Enrollment Management here at Landmark College. So I work with um, both our admission teams that serve on-campus, online, and summer students, as well as our financial aid team. So I think just to start with, how about one of you give us just kind of a, a, a your your 30-second sort of elevator pitch about Landmark College. Give us kind of a, a, a quick overview of what, what Landmark College is. Sure. Um, I'll jump in with that one. This is Mark. Um, So Landmark was founded in 1985 uh, as the first college for students with dyslexia specifically. Um, Since that time, we've expanded and we serve uh, students with a range of learning differences, including ADHD and autism, uh, executive function challenges, um, other, other learning disorders. Um, and we have expanded to offer bachelor's degrees as well as associate degrees and a range of online programs, which we can tell you more about later if you're interested. Yeah. Um, but that's the short uh, uh, thumbnail pitch. Okay. That's that is awesome. Yeah, that is amazing. So, so it's a college four-year university or two-year specifically geared towards students with learning challenges, learning differences. So when a student applies to Landmark College, do they have to have current evidence of a documented disability diagnosed? Um, Typically they do. Um, Our our profile for an ideal candidate for a degree at Landmark um, is somebody who has an LD in one of those areas. So most students are are showing us um, some sort of evidence of a diagnosis. But we've also had a, a pathway for admission for students who maybe haven't had the chance to get tested um, or who identify as neurodiverse and can talk about their strengths and their challenges um, and what supports have been successful in high school. Um, that's a smaller group of our admission pool, but we try to be as inclusive in the admission process as possible. 
you know, and given our size, um, you know, we're 450 students at Landmark. Um, our classes are really small. You know, we pride ourselves on the relationships that we have. And so that really starts in the admission process, um, working one-on-one with students and families and, and all the stakeholders in a student's college decision. When, when the students enroll for the first time, you know, how much time is really spent talking about the right classes, the right, you know, major, sort of that path that takes them to their, you know, career, degree and career? We spend a, a lot of time talking with students about those elements. Um, you know, with the admission process, we're getting an understanding of their goals and their needs. Um, as we work to introduce a new student who is enrolled to their advisors, their faculty members, their student affairs professionals, um, we're really doing that individual um, introduction to make sure that a student is successful. Um, But at the same time, there's also some really standard first steps for our students. So regardless of of what their goals ultimately might be that, you know, are important and top of mind for us, um, we have some foundational experiences for all students who who come in. Um, Two that come to mind, we place a big role on academic placement for our students. So we want to make sure that students are in that sweet spot where they come in, where they're going to be challenged, but also have that right level of support. Um, And many of our students come in in full academic credit, um, but many of them will split their time between some credit courses and some continued skill building. Mm-hmm. Um, I, another thing that comes to mind here is our signature course for first-year students called Perspectives in Learning. So whether you're a bridge experience student who's you know, visiting us from another college and, and maybe plans to take their academic path in another direction um, after spending some time at Landmark, or whether they're an associate's degree or a bachelor's student online, in person, it really doesn't matter. Everybody takes this foundational course where they spend some time really looking at their learning profile, um, gaining some really important self-advocacy skills, studying the legal landscape for students with LDs, um, what protections are going to be important for them both in college, but also in other academic settings, in the work world, in, in all elements of life after college. Um, and it, it's so powerful to see the growth that happens in that course and the language that students have toward articulating, you know, both their strengths and their needs. They're, those are two mm-hmm. sides of the same coin. That sounds amazing. It sounds like such an important course for everyone to take, but especially for those students that do have those learning challenges that maybe in the past, mom or dad and teachers kind of did everything for them and made sure they had an accommodation plan and teachers were implementing their accommodations or, you know, they they had other people kind of taking charge of their education. So that is one thing that Lori and I talked to high school students and college students a lot about is learning more about your strengths and your weaknesses and learning how to advocate for your own needs. So I love that you're also not only teaching them about perspectives on learning and getting them thinking about their own thinking and their path, but also that advocacy component. And what a brilliant idea to make sure they understand the laws regarding individuals with learning disabilities, because that is part of their real world that they're going to face when they leave Landmark. Absolutely. I mean, also part of that is, I mean, College students, I mean, regardless of whether or not you're neurodivergent or or neurotypical, 
during the college experience, you're developing your sense of self. That's uh, that sense of identity. Mm-hmm. And for many of our students, I mean, their identity, uh, I mean, has been intertwined with special education or a label. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm dyslexic. But many of those we found that really don't know the specifics of what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what, I mean, as Mike was saying, what are their strengths and weaknesses? What, I mean, we all have them. Uh, I mean, and how might those be manifested or related to uh, their diagnostic label? Um, but also, I mean, it gives them an opportunity to explore beyond that. We know that our students are far more than, uh, than their label, than their LD. Um, and what are these other components, whether it's gender, race, or religion, that really intersect with that sense of, uh, of neurodiversity and produce their bigger picture, their bigger place in life? So we really provide not only an opportunity to explore neurodiversity, but an opportunity for them to be in a safe place where they're able to certainly explore that neurodiversity, but explore more of themselves in a safe environment. That's amazing. That is amazing. So I think, you know, people listening are very familiar. You know, we talk a lot about accommodations and how to access those and what's available. And, you know, everybody has an accommodation plan. Do these students have some type of individual learning plan for themselves that they help develop? Or is all of those you know, are all of those accommodations sort of just woven in and, and done without needing a formal written plan? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, at Landmark, we really try to employ concepts of universal design. Um, and, and I mean, as I'm sure most of your listeners know, uh, I mean, universal design really is a proactive way to think through how to make the, not only the learning environment, but the co-curricular environment and any type of communication, one that is proactively accessible. Um, it, it really tries to think of the diversity and range of students that we have. Now, I mean, we do that, but is universal design a, a perfect framework? No, it, it's not. Um, I mean, there are still instances where we need to individualize and uh, I mean, really, individualization is the flip side of universal design. Because of universal design, we have more resources and more ability to individualize as necessary. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, our students, most of them, frankly, don't have accommodations. Um, it's, I mean, some might, um, but they're generally not uh, associated with the cognitive aspect uh, of, of our <laughs> academics. They tend to lean more towards um, residential uh, accommodations. Uh, I mean, need for uh, a an emotional support animal or something of that nature. Because mm-hmm. our faculty and staff are really attuned to the needs of this population. And while I would never say it's baked in, uh, I mean, it certainly is something that's constantly on the mind of how, well, how do we make the, uh, these experiences more accessible um, to our students? And when needed, how do we provide that one-on-one attention, uh, I mean, throughout their experience to make sure that they are achieving the success and the stated goals that they have for, uh, for their experience? Our advisors are quite good at not necessarily making a plan uh, for the students, but working with our students really to understand in 
what their goals are. How do they define their goals? Uh, I mean, certainly we, the college has outcomes that we would like to all our students to achieve, but we recognize that's only a small part of the picture. They're probably goals that our students want to achieve that maybe they've never expressed before, maybe are so unique um, that we might overlook them. So we have those conversations. What do they want out of this experience? And it's our job to figure out, well, how do we support you in getting there? Wow. That's great. You So you talked about using universal design for learning, for the environment, for the, the classroom setting and, the, and beyond. So are the majority of the professors special educators? I mean, do they have specific training in special education or teaching students with learning differences? Or are they general educators primarily that have had extra training and enrichment and professional development? Yeah, excellent question. It's actually a mix, um, certainly. I mean, we have, I mean, world-class faculty who are experts in uh, their particular disciplines who come in and, frankly, we, we provide lots of different opportunities for them to really get trained and understand the population of students that we're working with. We have a certificate program, uh, a post-baccalaureate certificate program that many of our faculty and staff enroll in um, to get extensive training in a wide variety of areas, not just profiles and strengths and areas of challenge, but what are the concrete tools that they can use to support executive function development, learning strategies, use how they could use technology and leverage that not only in the classroom, but in online environments. So we, we provide a lot of that, uh, that training for folks who are experts in science, math, English. Um, but we also have a number of folks who come in with quite extensive backgrounds uh, in uh, neurodiversity, teaching, uh, student development, uh, education, psychology. Um, and yes, they, they come in with a lot and they can offer us, I mean, as a community, quite a bit, uh, I mean, right away um, in terms of their backgrounds and their particular areas of expertise. Um, the great thing that is that we really take advantage of that. And oftentimes we'll have them doing things like brown bag lunches for our faculty and staff. So they're, we're constantly enriching uh, I mean, the knowledge base for everyone. Um, it's, uh, it really is, it's really a community where people want to be here. Uh, yeah. People want to belong to this mission. They, 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 they feel it in their heart. I mean, many times it's because, I mean, we have a lot of faculty and staff who I identify as neurodivergent themselves. Um, it's, I mean, I, I'm included amongst them. It's, mm -hmm. And I mean, the, the neat part is that, I mean, whether someone identifies as that, I mean, most of us, I mean, have experience knowing someone, whether it's a family member, a friend. So we can, we really have a developed empathy um, mm -hmm. and understanding uh, of the lived experience. We want to listen. I mean, and, and I mean, in some ways, I mean, that is really a fundamental hallmark of what Landmark is. Once we have, the empathy is the hardest thing to build amongst uh, mm -hmm. higher educators uh, when it comes to neurodiversity and disability. Right. And it can't so, be taught. <laughs> yep. Nope. And we're starting at, 
we already have that developed so that the skill development is super easy from there. That's awesome. That is wonderful. So when we talk about college, you know, obviously four years, you get a degree, but so much more happens during those four years. Like you talked about a lot of self-awareness, you're gaining your independence, you're, you're making that transition from, you know, being a part of your family and having lots of support to going out and, and being independent, having a job, you know, paying bills, all that good stuff. So what, what kinds of supports do you provide um, to the students as they work through their time there that works on, you know, I think about executive functioning skills, right? Like time management and organization, but just those, those helping them develop, you know, those behaviors. Cause I do feel like student neuro, neurodivergent students tend to, like Abby was saying, be a little bit more sheltered or get a little bit more extra support. So I feel like, you know, you got to not just rip the bandaid off. It's got to be kind of a process. What does, mm-hmm. what does a life, what does life of a, of a student look like? So I think we could do a whole episode probably on the supports <laughs> that we offer. There's such a range um, and there's different categories. You know, there's the academic supports, there's um, social supports, and even there's, there's family and parental supports. But so maybe uh, Mike, do you want to talk a little bit about the academic supports um, that are offered for students? Absolutely. And and I think one of the, the pieces of these supports into your question is that they're they're there and they're walked back in an intentional way so that students, you know, by the time they leave, by the time they transition from an associate's to a bachelor's degree with us or they go on to their other step, you know, they've you know, they've learned those executive functioning skills, they've learned um you know, those pieces so that they can operate, you know, without those supports. And we're really intentional in that way. Um, when I think about, you know, those academic supports, I, I, I was using that same phrase in my mind that Adam talked about earlier. So much is baked in with, you know, the relationships that our faculty have with students, you know, our small class sizes, um, the fact that our faculty, you know, get to know a student, get to know their their strengths and their needs, um, and they take attendance. They communicate with students regularly. All of those pieces are our baseline for what we do academically. When you say small we'll class size, can you give us kind of an s like a a general what's typical average sure. class? Our student to faculty ratio is six to one. Um, wow. You know, and and our average class size might be ten to twelve. Wow. Here. wow. That is incredible. In high school. Yeah, that is incredible. It is. So, you know, the fact that our students are are in those relationships with their faculty, they're they're getting real-time feedback in their classes. Mm-hmm. They're getting you know, the faculty paying deep attention to the work they're doing and giving a lot of, of assistance. Um, and it starts with that perspectives and learning course, um, and it continues through the rest of their courses. Um, a real point of pride for us is our Drake Center, um, which is our academic support office. Um, and a lot of colleges have, you know, tutors who are available or, or coaches. Um, you know, our Drake Center takes it to the next level with the availability of our um our support staff there to work one-on-one with students. Um, students have to create an appointment to meet with a Drake Center staff member. So there's a lot of self-advocacy that we're teaching and um, making sure that folks make an appointment and follow through. Um, and they can work on you know time management. They can work on breaking down academic readings and getting started on writing projects, studying for exams. Um, it's also the hub of where our assistive technology students can access. Um, so it, there's a lot that can happen for students when they access the Drake Center. Um, 
the Drake Center staff, your faculty members, also your advisor here. Um, and we have a phased advising approach. So students are meeting pretty concertedly with advisors on a, on a weekly basis um, as new students. And as they become older students, they're transitioning more into that um, you know, academic advisor with a faculty expert in their discipline um, and walking back some of those supports in an intentional way as students are ready. Um, it's interesting. I've, I've worked at some more traditional college environments and one of the things that jumped out at me when I came to Landmark is just the way that in our student database, the notes between all of those folks are shared. Um, so if I go to the Drake Center and I'm a, a student at Landmark, you know, I might come in and, and, you know, the person in the Drake Center says to me, you know, oh, what are you working on this week? What do you need help with? You know, if the student says, oh, I forgot. That would be the end of a conversation at another college. Mm-hmm. Right. The person would say, well, okay, go go find out and then come back tomorrow and I'll help you. And they'll have mm-hmm. lost an entire day where, you know, for us, we'd be able to look into the system and say, oh, your faculty member says you're working on, you know, this project and you're prepping for this quiz. And the student oh, yeah. say, oh, yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's what I need to do. And that one barrier right there we've overcome. Right. Um, the information sharing that happens um, is so purposeful and, and that unlocks so many additional supports for a student. That's great. And that's part of being a student, even though they have to call and make their own appointment, it's not an additional service that, that they would have to pay for. They, they all have access to the Drake Center. Is that correct? Um, absolutely. There's, there's not an additional sort of fee for service model here. It's all available for our students. Wow. And that includes the assistive technologies they may need. Wow. Wonderful. And I love the idea of awesome. slowly trying to kind of fade out some of those supports as well as they get further into their career, their educational career at Landmark. So that because a lot of students have become um, very dependent on their accommodations, their supports, et cetera, or, you know, they, a lot of parents we hear concerned about giving accommodations, they might think, oh, it's a crutch or, you know, they're going to become dependent on it. You won't get these in the real world. You won't get these in the real world. So I love that not only are you teaching so many life skills and academic skills and skills to function at college, but you're helping prepare them for the real world and fading out some of that support as they get older and closer to graduation. Can you talk a little bit about how you support the students socially? Because I think that, again, is a huge part of your college experience is the is the social aspect and what you learn developmentally and socially as you work through those four years. So talk to us a little bit about the social supports. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting. It's When you talk to most parents and, and you ask I mean, about what they want for their student, usually the first thing that they say is, well, I want them to be happy, happy healthy, and safe. Like, Basic Maslow's uh, foundational, uh, I mean, right. things there. It's and Landmark College does a really good job at making sure that they that they are happy in this environment, that there are opportunities for them, that they are safe, that they are healthy uh, here. Uh, we and one of the biggest things that we do, I mean, frankly, is simply be who we are. Um, it, there are very few places in this entire world, I, I mean, I can't think of one, that you have this number of disclosing 
neurodivergent people together for this length of time. Um, and frankly, we're a small school and requires their engagement to be able to offer everything that we do in our co-curricular life. I mean, if I mean, our president of our student government is a neurodivergent person. All of our, our RAs are neurodivergent people. And I mean, it's really a community that empowers um, uh, I mean, I mean, folks who may uh, not be what society considers uh, the typical uh, person, but here they are. They're right. exactly they're exactly who they need to be uh, in this community, and and we love them for it. Right. Now, I mean, in the yeah, it's I mean, I mean, you get to see there's other people that have this yep. similar struggles and that are overcoming or thriving or they're learning different strategies and coping mechanisms. And it might be for some of your students the first time they've been surrounded by others that mm-hmm. that do experience some of the same struggles. Yeah, it's I mean, and it's not just a diagnosis. It's a community. It's an mm-hmm. identity. It's a culture. Um, so, I mean, as part of that, we I mean offer constant support uh, and, and constant opportunities for social engagement. In terms of supports, uh, we have a wonderful student life team. I, I actually started my career in student life at Landmark College many decades ago, <laughs> um, and so I, I'm pretty familiar with what goes on here. Um, our we have resident deans in each of our buildings, um, and our resident deans really work uh, with our students in uh, in that out-of-classroom space, making sure that they're thinking through uh, the different processes of being an independent adult. Um, Everything from how do you set up and organize a space uh, for studying in your room? How do you engage in interpersonal communication with uh, a neighbor? Or a roommate. Um, it's. Uh, I mean, in many institutions, we say, "Well, I mean, uh, neurodivergent people that are they'll just get their own uh, own room." But unfortunately, that I mean, really takes away the opportunity for our students to develop and hone these interpersonal skills. Uh, I mean, and, and they need to be honed. It's not just something we're developed. Uh, I mean, we develop with. If, if my brother and I are any indication, we we fought like like crazy as kids and it really took getting these experiences and I mean working with different people seeing different people and how they respond to really develop them and our RDs really help uh, our students work through these uh, any different issues any different disagreements and also help them find opportunities and solutions that will uh, work for all members involved Um, we also have a social pragmatics program uh, on campus. Uh, so uh, for students who are interested in uh, making friends and, and developing into personal relationships that may have struggled in that area before, um, we use a mix of direct, uh, direct explicit instruction to help them develop some of those skills. We also give them opportunities to practice and have mentors who have been in their situation and who have learned uh, how to uh, navigate the neurotypical environment, which is 
the majority of our society. I oftentimes say it's like it's like learning it's like learning French, but for our student, students, it's learning neurotypical people one on one. What's their language? How do they behave? And why? Why might they be so 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 funny in different in different situations? It's learning another culture and, and right. learning to appreciate it and, and understand why does this not only so uh, I mean you're aware of it, but so that you can engage people with people respectfully and hopefully those people are the neurotypical folks in society are learning how to uh, engage with you from a point of respect. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we have that program, which is, uh, I mean, which is phenomenal. And it's been, I mean, really it's, uh, run by Andy Donahue, our social, our social pragmatics director and his team. And they are phenomenal. They go, I mean, they're well known across the country, um, for doing this work. Um, and additionally, we have a whole bunch of different clubs and activities and organizations. Um, but the neat thing about us, I mean, Mike was mentioning the, the academics. We're not so siloed that academics and student life aren't communicating. Um, we really do our best to, I mean, as, as Mike was suggesting, triangulate the data to make sure that we have a full and comprehensive understanding of what's going on with our students. Mm. And a, a bad residence hall experience is going to trickle over into academics and vice right. versa. Um, so we really try to work together. I mean, I, I have the privilege of serving uh, uh, as a, an instructor for one of our courses. And uh, I mean, it's, I mean, recently I had to touch base uh, with uh, a student's RD in the residence hall and, and uh, their advisor just to make sure that they were aware of something. Those we know That's each other. Yeah, that communication. I love that. All it's like key, everybody's on the same team. It's, it's like everyone who's a key stakeholder in that individual's life is mm-hmm. is having a say and cross communicating yep. and collaborating. Yep. That's fabulous. It's, so uh, you you were talking about the resident halls and these resident deans. So do all students at Landmark live on campus throughout their whole? landmark career or are there opportunities to live in apartments or off campus? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the majority do. I mean, there are a few students each year who uh, will live in the local community. Um, generally speaking, there are, are uh, um, in more senior uh, level students who are trying to take that additional step uh, in transitioning into um, adult life, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, but here on campus, we also try to provide those types of opportunities. I mean, we, we certainly, I mean, our students generally start in double rooms in a traditional residence hall, and then they might move into suites um, or mini apartments um, that are on campus so okay. that they have access to the support of the residential staff. But they're increasingly developing those skills uh, in a scaffolded way to really de- I mean, feel realize and figure out how to live in an apartment how to mm-hmm. how to clean the bathroom exactly <laughs> all those different things uh, those real those real world skills that so frankly i mean having worked in higher education for decades are not taught to most students right. um, i mean they get thrown out into the real world without having developed basic life skills uh, mm-hmm. and our get those very true what about as far as as your you know 
getting closer to that graduation mark as far as helping with the the job transition with job placement interview skills you know those kinds of where, when does that start and what does it sort of look like for a tr- for a typical student there yeah so we have a very active uh, office of career connections which um start works with students really closely to do career prep and career readiness. Um, and our, so our students work pr- with uh, their primary advisor, but they also seek out um, uh, someone in the career connections office to be their counselor in that regard. Uh, probably around, I, I don't know exactly when that happens. I don't know, Adam and Mike, if you know when that process would start, but sometimes it happens the, the their first semester. Um, I mean, oftentimes it will uh, when they're looking for summer jobs or work study or something of that okay. nature. Okay. Yeah. So, and in, in, um, Career Connections is very involved with corporate partnerships um, as far as neurodiversity at work programs to develop internships um, opportunities for our students to to go there and you know test the waters of. A place like uh, EY or Prudential, we have some very um, uh, robust opportunities and yeah. students who have gone on to do those things. Um, and it's a very collaborative process. You know, the student seeks out what they're what they're interested in. Um, the career counselors help them find those opportunities. Sometimes those opportunities are on campus. Um, Adams Division oversees the um, Research Institute. They have a mentorship program that actually gives our students opportunities to do very uh, robust research um, projects. My office usually hosts an intern in the marketing um, area, Mike's office as well in admissions. So there are um, ample opportunities for students to be getting that experience while they're still students. And, um, you know, one distinction I would say between Landmark and and, uh, many other colleges is that we, although we offer bachelor's degrees, I think about half of our students go on to earn a bachelor's degree. Some of them come for what Mike referred to earlier as a bridge experience, which is, you know, they may be enrolled at another college. Um, They may come here for a semester or two semesters to get those skills they need to go back to their home college. Um, Some students come here to get an associate degree because they really feel they need uh, that boost in the workplace. Um, So they're not they're not necessarily earning their bachelor's degree here. But but every year we have a higher percentage who are going on to earn their bachelor's degree here. And they're working through career connections to find jobs related to their field. You know, I mean, I, I just, just adding to that, uh, my area, one of my areas of expertise is, is transition to college and career. Um, and uh, I've worked with a lot of career programs over the years, uh, mid for, I mean, both for uh, neurodivergent students and for mid the general population. And, and I can honestly say from, in my opinion, that we have uh, probably the most comprehensive career transition program uh, for developing skills within our students. So many of our students, I mean, I mean, frankly, because they've had to spend so much time in their K-12 education, I mean, simply passing their classes, mm-hmm. getting, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, having tutoring, ha- I mean, spending longer on their homework. Right. Many times they didn't have opportunities for after school jobs or mm-hmm. uh, I mean, volunteer experiences. So we know that when our students come here, that sometimes we have to start from square one. 
I mean, the basics of what a job is. Mm -hmm. uh, we offer a, a series of different uh, programs. Uh, maybe we have an, uh, an employment readiness experience where it's uh, a few weeks of working in an office on campus with int intentional support from our staff uh, that's de developmental and level teaching them the basics of Showing up on time. <laughs> what you do uh, when you get the get to the office? Uh, I mean, I mean, setting up uh, and I mean, uh, being presentable in the workspace. Um, but at the same time, they're also getting direct instruction from a class-like format where they're going over these skills. Later on, they might do a more like a semester-long internship. Uh, I mean, at, at one of our offices, and then we start looking outward. Once they have those skills developed and we've built them up in not only in terms of their skills, but their confidence, mm -hmm. they, we can then turn them loose on the world, whether it's an internship uh, at a place like EY or Fidelity um, or and then eventually I mean, helping them launch into whatever the next phase of life is for them, whether it's career or uh, I mean, many of my students end up going off to graduate school and, wow. and getting a master's and, and doctoral degrees. That's that is awesome. You know, one thing I did not oh, ask man. that we we kind of skipped over back to the admissions process, not to jump around, but it's what we do. Um, are there opportunities for scholarships or financial aid? Is it typical of like most colleges? Do you guys have like a scholarship offering or program? Absolutely. You know, coming to Landmark is a, a big investment for families and we're committed to working with them. Um, to make that affordable and to explore all the different avenues for both support that can happen inside and outside of Landmark College um, financially. So you know, like every other college, if a student is degree seeking, um, they can apply for the FAFSA, the free application for federal student aid, and that qualifies them for federal aid um, like grants, uh, work study, federal loans. Um, it's also the way that we benchmark um, students' relative need, and we try to, um, as equitably as we can, stretch our, our financial aid budget to meet student need um, with landmark dollars. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of other things I would highlight, though, it's really important to us that we also give merit aid to our students. You know, in the admission process, we're looking at you know, students who are college capable. We're looking at the potential and the gifts they bring. Um, and for for us. Um, making sure that our students are matched with the scholarships they qualify for um, is big on affordability, but it's, it's also big as a confidence boost for them coming sure. into college and seeing, you know, look, we believe you're going to be successful doing college level work. Right. I um, love that. Yeah, that is huge. You know, that is a big confidence booster, I'm sure. Oh, it's huge for our students. And there, there's two other avenues that I think unlike other colleges, our students are able to explore. Um, one of them is that we work pretty closely and our admission counselors can, can often give the points of contact for families to reach out to vocational rehab departments in different states. Um, so sometimes there's alternative sources of funds at the state level um, because all of our students have a, a disability in one way or another. Um, they can tap into those funds and that can help them further defray their, their college costs um, here at Landmark. Um, that is great. Oh, and you, so you make sure the families are aware of that and connect them with those services. Exactly. Those services. And, 
And it can be a little bit different state by state how those funds are handed out. But Mm -hmm. um, our admission counselors work with students geographically by state. So they'll be able to say, oh, here's the contact for your state or, you know, your state hasn't been as generous with this, but you can still try calling these people. And and we try to to support them through that process. Um, Another opportunity happens on the back end after students have already paid their tuition. Um, We have worked with a certified public accountant and a financial planner here who has advised our students um, because, again, everyone comes to Landmark um, with a diagnosis that that often expands or spans medical and um, educational. You know, using looking at that through the lens of the medical diagnosis, our students are often able to um, apply for a medical tax deduction for some of their costs. Hmm. And. And this is an area where I have to disclose I'm not an accountant, so I'm I'm not qualified to give the tax advice. Um, <laughs> but we put our families in touch with the accountant who is, and we help give students the backup documentation that they need um, if they otherwise qualify for those costs to, to present that in their tax returns. And, um, and that's resulted in some savings for families as they're working through their taxes. That is very good to know. That is very good that to is know. Interesting. I, I wouldn't have known that. I love everything you guys yeah. have talked about. I mean, I'm so excited. I, I want to come visit. I want to be a student there. I, I want to be a part I want to be on community. faculty. Yeah. I want to be on faculty. <laughs> I want to be a part of that community. Do you guys do like I um, want every student I know to go there? Where like student uh where people can just come and spend a, a day or a weekend or however it's set up where they can come just explore and learn more about what you do for, for the students. Do you guys offer those through, you know, periodically throughout the year? Absolutely. We have campus tours um, virtually every weekday um, that the college is open. We also have a series of open houses throughout the year. The next one is coming up on June 9th. It's a Friday. Um, so campus should, you know, have all of our faculty and staff here. Um, but we do a mix of Fridays and Saturdays to try to, to accommodate different family schedules throughout the year. Um, and I would say if, if a student is interested in learning more or coming to visit, um, to visit us at landmark.edu or to email us at admissions at landmark.edu, um, we'll get you in touch with the right admission counselor and we'll help you know, not only do a campus tour and a chat with a member of the admission staff, but if you're somebody who, you know, making a certain connection with a, a coach is important or, or you're interested in that social pragmatic program that Adam talked about, um, or you're interested in, you know, the Centers for Diversity and Inclusion, um, because you're, you're looking at, you know, how your identities might be supported on campus. We often have colleagues who will jump in and meet with families during their visit to ensure that no one leaves with questions. We want to make sure that we serve folks while they're here on campus well. I just want to add uh, for any educators listening, we have opportunities for educators to come visit as well. Um, We have professional visit days that happen uh, that are happening this spring um, where um, educators and education professionals can come and spend a day and a half on campus and really get immersed in what the Landmark College model is, the teaching model, um, meet our students. Um, in this, in June, we have a summer institute for educators that Adams Division uh, oversees. So there are ample opportunities for those sorts of uh, sorts of visits and to really get to know Landmark. 
And if you can't make it out here, I mean, we also have our online programs for undergraduate students, uh, oh. secondary students who can take dual enrollment from the comfort of their own uh, secondary school. Wow. And for professionals, we offer uh, who, I mean, the only group, uh, group who actually doesn't need to, <laughs> to be neurodivergent are our professionals uh, and parents who we offer classes for uh, in our certificate program, uh, online certificate program focused on learning differences, neurodiversity, uh, mm. executive function, autism, and post-secondary disability services. That's wow. good to know. You That's another like a, great resource. Yeah, what a hub of just information for everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Well, thank you guys for taking time out of your day. We really, really appreciate you being here with us and sharing all this information. I feel like this is something, you know, I had heard about Landmark College, but I had no idea how um, – amazing it is and how well you guys tap into the needs of these students and right. and you're there to see them succeed. And I think at the end of the day, that's, that's kind of what, why, why we're all here. Right. Absolutely. That's the mission. Well, thank, thank you, guys you guys so, so much. much. And thank, thank you, you to our listeners. If you guys have questions for Landmark College, you can visit their website. We'll put a link to their website in the show notes. Um, you can also email us at let's talk learning disabilities at gmail.com with questions. Or also, if you have ideas for further episodes you'd like us to cover, topics or whatnot. Um, you can also access our podcast website at www.ltld podcast.com where you can see all of our different episodes we've recorded. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for listening. I hope everyone has a great day. Thanks, Elle. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. In our show notes, you can find information about today's talk as well as links to resources and other episodes. If you have questions about today's talk, have ideas for future episodes, or just want to stay connected, you can contact us through Diagnostic Learning Services on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So, let's keep talking learning disabilities. This podcast is sponsored by eDiagnostic Learning. You can find more information at www.ediagnosticlearning.com.